Hello and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Jeremy Marriott. And today on the show, we've got Nick Bowditch. Now, Nick worked both for Facebook and Twitter. He is a published author with a bestseller on Amazon. He has his own podcast called Everyone's an Expert. And now he also helps entrepreneurs battle against addiction and mental health issues, something he himself suffers from. He's got an amazing story, and I'd like to welcome to the show, Nick Bowditch. So pretty much we're going to kick it off, Nick, and then you're just going to tell us your story. That's what the show's all about. <coughs> all right. Well, you ask me questions, mate. I'll answer. I'll ask you questions. <laughs> First, I'll welcome you to the show. Welcome to the show, Nick. How are you doing? <laughs> Very well, mate. How are you? Thanks Not for having me. Not too bad. Um, I've, I've seen a couple of your webinars and we've, we've spoken a bit and uh, just wanted to get a bit of a backstory on, on what you're doing now uh, in your life. Yeah, so I... Um I've come from sort of corporate land uh, where I worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a background in um, storytelling and uh, learning and development stuff. And then I sort of fell into uh, startup land and small business running my own startups and stuff like that. Got absorbed back into the corporate space when I worked at um, Facebook and Twitter for a few years. I worked in that sort of tech space. Mm-hmm. Uh, they re- recruited me out of small business back into that. And now I've, gone full circle and now I'm back um, working for myself. And so what I do now is speak at conferences and events as a bit of a motivational speaker, both business and sort of um, mental health, entrepreneurial mental health is my specialty. And I write a bit and uh, yeah, do a few podcasts and stuff, but uh, mostly, <laughs> mostly I work on, um, on helping entrepreneurial people be the best version of themselves without getting swallowed too much by the shit that media tells you about who you've got to be, what you've got to watch, yep. how hard you've got to work, um, all, all that sort of stuff. So I, I'm very well focused now on, on the mental health side of things. I have a degree in counseling and a couple of degrees in health science. So I, I work a lot in that therapy space with clients, um, in small groups and one-on-ones. And yeah, I love that. That's, it's kind of, I've kind of like finally found I'm, 49 years old now and i've finally found something i'm good at and uh and something i like doing too so so did you find that you got swallowed up when you were an entrepreneur at the beginning yeah by the stress and stuff 100 percent. you know you you go from having somebody put money in your bank every week Hmm. to nobody putting any money in your bank every week and the same amount coming out (laughs) um i went through the whole thing because i when I first started, I was just a really small business. So I was just doing everything myself, you know, sole trader online stuff. And it was a fine. And then we grew and that growth was actually no good for me because it meant I had to take on other people. I had to take on other people's shit as, as well. Yeah. When you take other people on, you know, when you've got a payroll, you've got stress mm-hmm. that you didn't have mm-hmm. before. You know, you're suddenly worrying about other people's mortgages and, and stuff, you know, and, and waking up at night wondering if they can, you know, all that. Yep. So, yeah. So that swallowed me up a lot. And it wasn't until I shed the staff again and and managed to come back to being my own thing. And then I got taken um, by Facebook out of the, out of small business land and back into the corporate world where ironically I, I managed small business operations for Facebook. So I was still in that space, but in the comfort of having someone give me money every week and uh, you know, paying my mortgage and stuff. But no, it was really stressful for me. I didn't handle it very well. I remember 
you know, just that, that extra stress on top of, cause I already live with mental illnesses. So on top of the, the crazy shit that's already in my head, it was just an extra stress I, I really didn't need and, uh, and couldn't really handle for a while. And, there, so. and how old were you then? Well, I was, I was about, so it was 2012 when I started at Facebook. So what's that? Eight years ago. So I was 41. Um, interestingly, when I was at Facebook, I was kind of the oldest person in every room <laughs> that I went into, uh, every single meeting, but, um, <laughs> that was all right. I was also the dumbest person in the room, which was fine. With no. Me too. No. no, mate. No, no. I'm, the not, genius not being, I'm not being modest. Everybody else was <laughs> literally a genius, um, which was but really great. Were, but, but those guys, were they book smart or were they street smart? Uh, a, a few had a good mix. A few people... If you, if you, if you just talk to just the, the engineers, just the coders, mm. just the guys pumping out code every day, fixing little bugs and stuff, they tend not to be great people, people. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then on the other side of that, I worked with a lot of sales and marketing people. Oh, who were right, like, yeah. Blah, 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 blah. yeah. Yeah. So as the extroverted introvert that mm. I am, I just kind of sat nicely in the middle and let it all happen around me, you know? And, and it was, was really nice. I love those days. Like I, I look back on it still and it was not just the novelty of working for a big, big company like that, that made a difference, you know, every day mm. to people's lives and, and was in the, I was, I was talking to media every day and all that sort of stuff, you know, that not, not just that side of it was good, but just the fact that I was the dumbest person there, that I was challenged every day yeah. and that I, I've never worked in a more competitive environment than that ever like competing against other people around me never but, but surely you worked harder for yourself than when you worked there uh, yes but not now no so when, when i first started my own startups and small business i just worked like a dog mm. and yeah i got more done i guess but it was just a wasted energy mostly mm. like i think we all do that you know you just find yourself doing stuff at two o'clock in the morning you're like, what the fuck am I doing this? Like I could do this tomorrow or it's not really important. And now I think I've just, and that's also when my, you know, when my mental health was at its very worst. Yeah. And so, you know, that sort of stuff makes you think you've got to keep moving. You've got to fill your brain up with other things. And, and now I spend much more time, honestly, mate, I spend more time meditating than working mm-hmm. th- these days. And, uh, and I just work a lot smarter and I just say no more to things. Yeah. And uh, all those things help me out, you know, immeasurably every day. I mean, it's this wisdom as you get older that I'm, I'm, I'm coming through it now. I'm like, well, I don't need to work five days a week. I can still do what I need to do in three days and be a lot happier, you know, and spend yeah. more time with the family. It's, I think it's also the, you know, the whole clock on at nine, clock off at five thing, like, I think, I think we all know now humans know that not everybody performs at their best that way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so I would much rather if I ever had staff again, which I hope I never do, but if I did, <laughs> I would say to them, I, I don't care what time you work. I don't care what days you work. These are the things I need you to do. These are the things that need to get done, get them done and do it in two hours a week. If you want, I don't care, yeah. but that's what you have to get done. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I truly don't care if you're so goal based. Yeah, 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 goal based. Yeah, yeah. Tick, 
tick, tick. KPI done, KPI done, KPI yep. done. If it takes four hours to do it or two hours to do it, so long as it gets done. Because, you know, you could line up three different people to do the same task mm. and you give them all between nine and five, Monday to Friday. Somebody's going to breeze through that. Somebody's going to struggle yep. and somebody's going to take 40 hours, you know? And, and it's kind of silly that we hold one person back or we you know, push yeah. one person forward or, or we just, yeah. just make them fit that mold. I, I don't get that. And I think businesses largely, certainly small businesses are getting that more and more. Hmm. Yeah. Play on people's strengths, not on their weaknesses. Uh, totally. Like this whole coronavirus thing uh, highlights that better than everyone. All these people who would, who are working in jobs where they were told for years and years, they couldn't do it at home. Mm. And all of a sudden they're quite happily doing it at home and productivity's right. gone up, not down. You know, so I think because well, people are happy, aren't they? Said, well, well, wouldn't you be happier if you yeah, well, I am. stay at home? And, you know, you know like, I don't, I, I do think though, Jeremy, I do think some people do love going into work. I think some people, I've, I've worked with people. I work, one woman comes to mind in my head. She told me once she, that she goes, oh, geez, I love meetings. Oh, really? I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I fucking hate meetings. You know, but she just loved that day packed of, with meetings, you know, and taking notes. And it was really her thing, you know? The social interaction, maybe. Yeah, like she'd be hating this working from home stuff. Hate oh, really? it. But. I like it because I can just take a break and then play with my son for, for 20, 30 minutes. And, yep. You know. Yep. Or just put Netflix on or just sit in the sun or just, you know, I'll go for a swim as you, as you always see that you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or for runs or go to the gym or just, you know, just diarize some, I, I in my diary, there's all these spaces which are orange. My, I'm very color coded. You know, mm-hmm. I told you I have a few mental illnesses. My, my Google diary, my Google calendar is proof of that. But um, I have a few orange spaces in my calendar, which are fuck all, fuck all time where, you know, I, it's blocked out and I can't put anything in it, but I also don't do anything. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that time is maybe meditation, maybe being in the ocean, maybe sitting under a tree, maybe having a nap, you know, that, that stuff keeps me sane-ish. I've been finding though that the, a lot of the entrepreneurs that I've been meeting <clears throat> all seem to have some type of mental illness or, or, or mental hang-up. And it's very interesting because these are people who are also that are high performers. Yep. You know, do you think that they, they, there's obviously a connection there? There is. There was a study, which I'll, um, I'll flick you the link of, you can put in the show notes, but there was a study done at um, UCLA that showed people who had an entrepreneurial bent, you know, people mm-hmm. who are like you and me who could actually work for themselves and have ideas they want to build themselves are seven times more likely to live with anxiety, depression, or complex PTSD. That's um, it's just, it, it, it's not clear though, causation and correlation. So it's not c- clear if, because you have those illnesses, mm-hmm. you are more likely to be an entrepreneur yeah. or not, but either way, um, I, I think it's the other way because I think, you know, people who live with uncertainty or disturbances in mood and stuff like I do, uh, are just more likely to be able to handle change and adaptation and agility and moving around or like a, a, corona, a pandemic, a global yeah. pandemic and suddenly you're out of work or whatever. You know, when that happened, I was kind of like, 
okay, so all my speaking work is gone for the year. But that's okay. I can do this or I can do that. Or I've been through this before, you know. Mm-hmm. But if, you've, if, you, uh, if you have a job and you sit in your three-by-three three cubicle and you're a phone monkey or whatever, good luck to you. More power too if you enjoy it. That's fine. Yeah. But if you've done that for 20 years and suddenly now you're not doing that, it's very hard to adapt oh, and, and sure. change. And uh, so I think it's just a matter of being a bit more prepared and ready if you're already a bit mental. <laughs> so you've written a few books. I saw on, on Audible, I just downloaded your, your first one. So what is, is the first one about? First one is called Reboot Your Thinking. It's, um, that was the bestseller, became the bestseller. So it's about how I live with my mental illnesses, basically. It's about uh, the trauma that I went through as a kid um, which now I relive as complex PTSD as an adult. Uh, it's also about how that represents itself as both anxiety and depression at different times in my head and how for a long time I covered that, those symptoms up, those feelings up with um, drugs, alcohol, you know, addictive agents and how I've been through that rehab and that rehabilitation to get back to a place where I can manage my life again. Um, and the reboot is the 28 days, kind of a 28 day programmatic thing that I go through uh, focusing on a different theme, something every day for 28 days. And it just gets me back on track or keeps me moving forward. Um, so, so yeah, you, that was, you came up with your own program to help in your recovery. Yeah. Well, well, it was a cool. kind of mixture of about 20 different influences in my life and, and a bit of what I learned at rehab and stuff, but it is, but it is how I, how I get through some days, some days it's pretty most, <clears throat> most days in my head is quite stable. It's quite, you know, safe and quite normal, whatever that is. Um, some days it's pretty rough <laughs> yeah. up there. And, uh, and I have to revert back to, I can, I sort of make a choice then I can revert back to type back to what I knew and did for mm-hmm. 20 or 30 years. Yep. Or I can go, okay, wait, 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 that's, that's happening again. I don't have to, chuck out everything here. I, I can't, I just have to go. I just have to keep moving forward. I just have to accept there's something's happening in my head. I can't control and I can't change mm-hmm. and I have to ride that shit out and keep moving forward. Yeah. So are, are um, you medication free now from that therapy? No, no, no. no. I still take uh, an antidepressant now. I it's, it, I'm only down onto one tablet now, oh, uh, one medication day. Yeah. I'm stoked. Um, not that I, <clears throat> not that I'm weakened by it or anything like that. I don't have any, I don't have any stigma attached to, to medication for me. I, it's what I have to do at the moment. Yeah, of course. You know? um, and it, if I had, I think about this a lot. If, if my illness was asthma or diabetes or something like that, something you could see or something, you know, that was tangible, then I would take a tablet for that. Yeah. And, and if anybody knew I took a tablet for that, that, that would be okay. You know, but for some reason in our head, <clears throat> there's a lot of shame attached to, you can't control your thoughts. You can't control your brain. You, you are weak. You are whatever. And that unfortunately keeps a lot of people unmedicated who might benefit from being medicated. Yeah. But it also just means a lot of people are kept really sick. Um, this, whether medication or not is the answer. This is know? the biggest thing with the veterans. Coming from like a male-dominated alpha male team, <coughs> when they get out, if they have any mental issues, they won't seek help because they look at themselves as being weak, you know? Well, and they've, they've kind of, 
been told that, like not directly, but in a societal way and certainly in, in armed forces or in any kind of bonded community like that, you know, you're supposed to be able to rely on the person next to you. You're supposed to have that person be able to rely on you. And you know, that unfortunately rather, rather than being built up as something as saying, you can rely on me. If you need me, I'll be there. Like if you need to tell me something, I'll listen, you know, all that. Unfortunately, I think it trans trans, uh, transposes into you know if you need me i'm physically here yeah strong safe healthy whatever and i think sometimes we just need someone to go are you all right like what's going on with you and you go fuck no i'm not and this is why you know um one of the best things that we've ever come up with as a community with with mental health awareness is is the are you okay thing you know like i know that it's one day but it's sort of a it's kind of got in people's minds all year round now where that someone can go are you all right like what's going on Mm. and unfortunately though the next line of that for men especially if someone says no i'm not okay i i'm sad i'm i'm anxious i'm whatever yeah they don't know how to respond well well well, a lot of men go okay well fuck this is what you got to do let me fix that Uh, you got to do this this this, and this yeah and that it's kind of a bit of an engendered difference between the two of us. Whereas, you know, I think sometimes female females will go, Oh, that's, that sucks. Or do you want to cuddle or, you know, <laughs> something that you actually really need and, and men try and fix it. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's really interesting in that, in the therapy environment that I work in, you know, a lot of people come and, and, uh, and tell me something terrible from their life and, uh, and men, especially they want you to fix it. They're like, I've told you what's wrong with me. So over to you. Yeah, over to you. Give me the solution. Yeah. Let's go. You know, and some people will even bargain with you. You know, do I have to pay more? Do I have to, how do I fix it? And you guys, Dude, you can't fix it. You know, like, I mean, you can, you can work on it, but I always think, you know, fix it is really interesting too, because that means something's wrong with you. Hmm. You know, if something needs to be fixed. Something's wrong with you. Yeah. And I don't, even though I live with mental health disturbances, I guess you might say mental illnesses, nothing wrong with me. That's, no. that is who I am. That is what I live with. That shit makes up who I present to the world every day. I'm stoked for it. I mean, I'd, I'd probably prefer not to have it to be fair, <laughs> but, but I'm not, you know, I'm not devastated about it. I, I'm kind of accepting of it now. And, I- um, yeah, that's that's like um, my wife with MS. That's part of who she is now, you know. Yeah. And she was sad at the beginning and I was said to her, well, you know, you've been given this, but would you rather have this or would you rather have a four-year-old kid have this? And she's like, well, I'd rather have it. And I'm like, well, that's why you've been yeah. given it because you can manage it, you know. Yeah, 100%. I, you know, and would you like to have this in 2020? Or would you like to have this in 1970 when you'd be dead? Yeah, she would have been. She would have been dead already, easy, because there's no treatment at all. No. You know, same as like I had my appendix removed when I was 15. My mum told me that if that happened when she was a nurse, I probably wouldn't have survived. Yeah, you'd be dead. It's crazy, yeah. right? <laughs> I mean, even even just the numbers of um, live births, live human births, compared to how many of the morbidity rate having a child 100 years ago. Yeah, it was like 50 percent. It was rolling the dice. <coughs> you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't a surety. It was, nah. you know, 
Now it's yeah. just like, oh, I'm having a baby. It's going to come out. It's going to be no problems. It's going to be all good. Yeah. Back in the day, yeah, you know, I've been like, oh my God, I might die from this. Yeah. I'm literally growing a human in me and then it'll come out and it'll be fine. Yep. And life you know, will go on. That is, that's not something a hundred years ago you knew to be sure. Um, so your second book that you, you, you've written, it's all about yeah, me. So I, I wrote, think it's the title, isn't it? So, yeah, it's called something. Uh, it, actually, it is all about me. So it's um, a book about codependence. Mm, codependence is, uh, you know, our reliance on other people sometimes to, uh, not to make us feel good, but for us to make them feel good. You know, codependence tends to be, the easiest way to describe it is, or best, well, a really good way to describe it is um, asking you how I feel. Okay. So you're defining so yourself on your partner. If you're happy, I'm happy. If you're sad, I'm sad. Okay. You know, I have to make sure you're all right before I even think about making myself all right. Okay. This is something that our mums, the generation of women who, who grew us, mm-hmm. absolutely lived with this 100% of them, you know, that, that they would go without everything until everyone else was okay. Yep. You know, and the problem with that is by the time you need them, they're fucked. They're buggered. Yeah. You know, they've given everything they've ever had and you just keep asking and keep asking, you know. I think it's, um, it's compassion burnout, isn't it? I think that's a big thing for people now, mothers in their 50s and 60s. If, if, they, if they don't invest in themselves first, sure. Yeah. You know, I have, I have four kids, as you know, and... Mm-hmm. I, and I have these businesses and this, you know, other, other shit going on. And people say to me often, you know, you must be, you must be well down the list. And if, if, if there was an att- a pyramid of attention and love, you know, mm-hmm. in my life, energy in my life that I had, could give someone else, you know, they say to me, oh, you must be well down under your kids, under whatever. I'm like, no, mate, I'm, it doesn't make I'm, any sense. I'm number one. Yeah. Like, and people can't handle this. Jeremy, when you say it to them, you, you get immediate pushback. But I, I, I always say, you know, if every single decision in my life I make first through the lens of, is this the best thing for me? Yep. Even before my children. And now we're both dads, so we know, we know that, that pull of my kids have to be everything. You know, I, I get it, right? Yep. Yep. But if I'm to be the best version of myself for them, then I have to put myself first. I have to make sure I'm okay. Yeah. It's like putting, putting your oxygen mask on before, you know, anybody else. Yeah, I agree. hundred percent. hundred percent. Really hard though. It's Man, really it hard me, to. It took me like four, four years of running a business to see, mm. to see that, you know? Yeah. Because it's, it's in us. It's, it's kind of a expectation that we will make sure everybody else is all right. And oh, you know, you what are you start. doing? It's my bo- little boy. Hey, do you want to say hey, hello? Buddy. Look, look, there's Nick. Wave. Hey, mate. How you doing? <laughs> go, go find mum, please. <laughs> no, no, hang on. Where's mum? Mum? Maria, can you come grab him, please? <laughs> Just give us a second, Nick. <laughs> no, no stress, mate. Come on, mate. Yeah, 
Yeah, small kids, eh? <laughs> no, mate. I'm surprised we got in. Well, we get half an hour in, mate. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, look, it took me four years to realise that, you know, that I was working 14, 15 hours a day and I was killing myself and yeah. I was not giving what my family deserves, you know. But it's, it also, mate, it's not just your family, you know. If you employ um, people younger than us, mm. right, this millennial generation or younger, um, then it's hard sometimes to tell them or to show them that they're not the most important people in your life, that you are, you know, and that's not a, that's not, a, that's not slagging on that generation or whatever. It's just the way that we've created them, yeah. you know? Um, and it's hard to say to our mums, for instance, that they should be putting themselves first mm. because they were, they were just told not to do that. You know, like we were, we were all told the world doesn't revolve around you. You're not the most important person in this house, in this, yeah. whatever. And it's not true. <laughs> in each of our lives, we are the most important person. It's really hard to consistently live that. Yeah. Really hard. Yeah, especially with, when you've got society's judgment on you. Yeah. You know? I got it straight look, away. Well, look, I wrote this book, right, about exactly that. And, and I can tell you that the feedback I get is probably exactly half mixed. Yeah between, ah, oh, thank fuck someone's saying this and, and whatever, you know, thank you for saying this and other people going, you selfish twat. So yeah. that's okay. <laughs> I know I got it as well. As soon as I went down, like, like I, I took a break when Corona came and went out with my dad, uh, gold prospecting for a while. And then we came back and I was like, well, we've got enough work for five days, but I'll, I'll just open for three. And um, people are like, why are you not working five? And I'm like, well, because I can spend time with my son and, and it's good for me and I'm not stressed out. And they're like, well, you should be working five. You should be providing for your family. I'm like, they're fine. We've, we're doing fine. We don't, I don't need to bust my ass, you know? And also, why is it your, why has it got to do with anything with you? Like, what, how is it your business? It's, it's, it's their ego really, isn't it? You know, passing judgment. Yeah. And it's just modeling, you know, it's just societal programming that, mm. It's been there for a long, long time. A long time. It's hard to change that shit. It you seems know, to get that's, that's every a, generation, you know, a little bit better. Yep. Yep. I mean, even things like, like, like my kids, my kids and, and your son's generation, like they're going to be, they're going to be fucking superhumans compared to us in, in, in so many ways, but mostly because they're all able to say, I'm sorry. And mm. I love you. And I'm angry and, you know, all this stuff that w we can't say. We, we were never allowed to say that shit. We were, we were told to push that shit down, not feel any of that and just do what everybody else is doing and conform and fit in, you know, and our children, we're fine. That's, that's up to us. Actually, that's our generation that's mm -hmm. fixed that. Mm -hmm. Has told those kids, actually, you can feel whatever you want. And if you're angry, tell me. Yep. And if you're in love, tell me. And, you know, like if you're sad or if you feel different, if you think differently, that's okay. You know, instead of you better hide that shit. Yeah. You know, you better confirm. don't let anyone onto that. But then, you know, I don't, I don't blame my parents' generation. I think they just did the best that they could with, with what they knew. You know, I think the, the, the education in the last 10, 15, 20 years, even on that kind of internal, mental like mental and emotional development has has 
gone up significantly. I, I, I agree and don't agree. I, I, I agree that that last bit's true, but I think I kind of do blame my parents' generation because, but I'll, but let me tell you why. Their parent, their parents, our grandparents, mm-hmm. were exactly the same as their parents before them. Our great grandparents. Yep. So were so were our grandparents. So were our parents. They did the same things too, mm-hmm. but we haven't. And our children have benefited. So we're the the disruptor. Why haven't we? I don't don't know, but I do know that if you're going to blame someone, I hate blame anyway, but if you're going to lay blame somewhere, then you have to do it with the people before those who disrupted it, which is us. Yeah. We, yeah, I get what you're saying, that education and everything kicked in at the time when it was right, but. Yeah. And the internet. how How can you tell me that, our great grandparents didn't know that some of these things were wrong that we've, that we've righted. I, I maybe, don't. Maybe they were too busy surviving. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, maybe. they were alive while the whole world was at war for fuck's mm. sake. Like we can't even possibly comprehend that. Yeah. You can't possibly comprehend no, that. Like going, going to bed and wondering and, if, someone was going to drop a bomb on your house that yep. night. Like, or if, you, I, if, I guess, you, if your kids were going to come home from overseas. Sure. You know. But, but I think, but I think in doing that, sometimes Jeremy, that, that takes away some of the good shit we should be celebrating as a generation. Mm. And it's that we made that change. Oh, no, we've no made, I agree. We've made these humans who are, who are going to be the best adults ever made. Mm. You know, that's, that's up to us. Yeah. So, yeah. So, but, you, but I, I think it, <laughs> sorry for interrupting. I'm still getting used to talking on, it's like that's talking okay. on TV radio. I have to wait till everyone stops. <laughs> have you got, have you got any more? Um, have you got another book or something like that? You've been looking uh, I've got a, I've got a couple of books half done. <laughs> I really should pull my finger out and get it done. But um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of enjoying at the moment just having those two books as my main base and selling a couple of ebooks and audio books and stuff outside of that. But they're the two published books, which, um, which have been sort of most successful and have helped me grow my business around it. You know, like it's interesting. People think if you have a book and particularly if that book's a bestseller, mm. you must be, you know, a billionaire and well, you no, must that's be not true. so much money from your writing, but, I think if you're J.K. Rowling or if you're the <laughs> dude who wrote uh, Game of Thrones, then yeah, you, you're probably doing okay. Um, but for me, the books are just a really good business card yeah. sort of thing. It's just a really good way of saying, <clears throat> this is what I think, this is what I will say on stage. If you put me on stage in front of your people, um, you know, if you want to have a therapeutic session with me, this is who you'll be sitting next to. You know, that, that sort of thing works, works well. And the audiobook version of that has been the best, just the best invention <laughs> ever made from a marketing point of view. Um, well, I, I suffer from dyslexia, so I always have an issue with reading with books and Audible. Right. Audible I could, I, it used to take me weeks, and now I can get through an Audible book in like two days. You know, yeah. That's so good. And not like the old days of books in tape. Book that's, yeah. <laughs> do you prefer the Audible book that's narrated by the author or somebody I else? I do. Because I can feel like they've got actually emotion invested in when they're reading. 
you know, even the fiction yeah. books, you know, I've got a couple of fiction and um, yeah, because now that's like their dream, you know, it's their idea on the paper. So did I you really, have that option? I did you? That because I, well, I did narrate both of mine mm. and, but I tossed it up for ages and I'm still not sure I'm, I did the right thing um, by doing it myself, you know, uh, and I've heard it different ways. You know, I know that, you know, if you get someone like Stephen Fry or whatever to read your book, it sounds pretty great. But um, I, don't, I don't know who would have done a better job than me reading it, to be fair. But I, I do wonder, I still wonder if that was the right thing to do, you know. Uh, did you, anyway. did you write your book and that came out and then you started speaking? Or were you? No, no, no. Oh, do you mean on stage? Yes. Okay, yeah, like events yeah. and stuff like that. No, nah, no. Nah, I had a years, years of um, standing on stage speaking at events and stuff before I even decided to write. Well, how, how did that come about? The Just writing? Be, no, the, the, the getting up on stage. and stage? When I, back when I was um, in my own startup land and, and so I had three startups, which fortunately all were all sold, which is nice. Um, doesn't always happen. I also had about 10 failures in that time. So it wasn't like I was yeah. you know, striking gold. <laughs> ah, striking gold. Um, but I, um, it started when I was doing that and, and like a local kind of business organization group would go, Oh, can you come on Friday morning and to our little group and just tell us how you grew that business on Facebook. You know, oh, okay. Yep. And I go, Oh yeah. Okay. And I started to do that. And then the audience just started to get bigger. And I was like, Oh, this is, I think this is my job now, you know? And then I sort of started charging money for it. And now, now it's like 80% of my income my revenue each oh, year wow. is from speaking. So, well, not this year, no. but um, <laughs> every other year. And so it's been really, it's been nice because it, it is something I'm good at, but it is also something that really challenges me from a, from my own mental health point of view. Mm. Um, you know, the anxiety that I live with, that imposter syndrome shit that I live with is exacerbated quite a bit getting up in front of 2000 people and telling them, how to do something or, yeah. you know, telling them that I'm right and they're wrong. Yeah. You know, that can be a bit confronting. So the imposter syndrome that, that refers to, to what exactly? It's when I, uh, when you think, I think everyone goes through this to some degree, but I, um, I'll give you an example. Be, about 45 seconds before I get on stage, mm. every, every single time this happens, the record starts playing in my head and it says, today's the day, mate. Today's the day they, they already know you're full of shit. They're not going to listen. They all know more than you. You know, who the hell do you think you are getting up here and talking like that? Like blah, 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 blah. You know, all that stuff that says you're not enough. Yeah. Basically that's what it's saying. Um, that happens to me every single time I get on stage. Uh, so, you know, I've, I've managed, I manage it well now, but it's, it's not like I've eliminated it. It's just something that I manage. Mm. Um, and, you know, it happens when you, oh, even a different example is, you know, when someone says, I hate when someone starts this conversation with, oh, I read your book. Because then I go, oh, fuck. I go straight into, oh, God, here it comes. You know, they're going to say it was shit and I'm an idiot and I'm a crap writer and I'm this and I'm that. You know? And invariably what they say is, oh, yeah, I enjoyed it or I didn't or I'm challenged by this or whatever. They don't, yeah. no one says, oh, and it's shit. You know, nah. like, and your shit, by the way. But but that's what I that's what my brain gets ready for. 
you know, and that's just that imposter syndrome, that, that feeling that you are, you know, who the hell do you think you are? That, that stuff. I know exactly what you mean. I was um, like at a business seminar and was, was trying to help other business owners. And I felt, I thought to myself, who the fuck am I to give these guys advice? My business is not perfect, you know? And yeah, uh, yeah it took me a little while to get over that, you know? Yeah. I mean, I can even go, you know, at a, at something like that, you know, and, and someone introduces me as, um, you know, the guy who used to run small business for Australia and New Zealand for Facebook and then did it at, at Twitter after that. Right. Mm-hmm. And in, in my brain, I'm like, Oh God, but now, now they're going to say, yeah, but he hasn't worked at Google has he, or, there's more people, you know, who've worked in higher positions at Facebook, like all that sort of crazy shit. And no one's thinking that. No one. No, not at all. Like, me. Oh, I get to speak to someone who worked for Facebook, you yeah. know? Yeah. Like it's just a, it's, it's only my own crazy shit that's, that's, that's saying that. Um, but it's a very powerful thing because oh, yeah. it is being generated in our own head. And, you know, we, we listen to that. We, you know, I think, I think this is true for most people that, most of the shit we say to ourselves about ourselves, we would never in a million years say to someone else. Yep. We would never, you know, that, that I think we say some variants of this, a lot of us, some mm. variation of this every day that you're a piece of shit. You're dumb. You're ugly. You're too fat. You're too thin. You're too tall. You're too short. You're too rich. You're too poor. Well, fuck whatever. Like those things we would never say to another person, but somehow it's okay to say that shit to yourself. Like it's clearly not okay, but you it's know, how it, we're, more, we're more happy to critique ourselves than we are to actually congratulate ourselves. Yeah. You know? Especially when no one's even fucking asked us yeah. to critique ourselves. <laughs> like, no. and, and in fact, most people are going, you know, I appreciate the value that you bring. I said it to you. You yeah. asked me to come on this on this podcast, yeah. and I I don't know. I can't remember what exactly what I said, but it would have said. Oh, you said, oh, do you think I'll bring any value? And I'm like, are you fucking serious? <laughs> you like speak around the world to like hundreds of thousands of people. No, no, you won't bring any value at all. I mean, there you go. But I've had other people ask me that too. I've had a very successful financial planner I said, oh, I'd love you to get him, and he speaks at events all the time, and he's like, oh, well, you know if you think I'll add value. I'm like, well, I wouldn't be asking you if you didn't. <laughs> I wouldn't want to sit around and talk to someone for 40 you know, minutes. Actually, I, th- I think you'll do a shit job and you'll probably bring the whole nature of the thing yeah, down and lose me. You'll the sure, podcast. Everyone will leave. <laughs> it's crazy. It's, yeah, it's, it's crazy, crazy people, man. It's like, the, like with gold and, and other stuff, people are weird. It's, and I think, honestly, dude, it comes back to what we were saying before, that, that putting yourself first stuff, right? If we, we, we're almost taught, we anyway, our generation was taught, I think, largely to be small, to stay in your lane, to, you know, here's the story. When we were a child, our parents and our community and our world said to us, here's the story of your life. Mm. You're not allowed to change it, but here it is. You can go and live it out. Yeah. This is what you're supposed to do. And for a lot of us, we went, oh, thanks. All right. Yep. And the only freedom you can have is your four weeks off a year. Yep. And then you yep. can do what you want. Well, you, 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 can, you can have a few fuck ups along the way, but, but basically this is what you're going to do. You're going to complete school. You're going to go to uni or not. You're going to get a career or not. You're going to stay in that job for a while. Um, you're going to meet somebody. You're going to get married. You're going to have children. 
then you're going to retire, then you're going to die. Yep. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of people are absolutely living that story that they were given when they were a child and have never challenged it. Mm-hmm. And, and also, if I had never challenged that, I'd be dead. Right? I because I would, have, okay. I would have been dead at my own hand. Yeah. Because I wasn't, it wasn't, for you. I wasn't allowed to change my story. Yeah. And that can be devastating, mm. you know, especially for someone like me who has been an addict, who has been at the very, very lowest point, you know, somebody who survived suicide. And I, I would not have been able to do that had I not gone, actually, fuck your story. So, uh, so, so does that mean for the first 30 or so years of your life, you weren't, you were living that story and not your own story? 100%. And, and not only that, point? not what only that, but I was also living, I was also living the shame of being abused by somebody outside of my control yep. and, and the stuff that they told me who I was, you know? And so I'm now I'm living that mm. as well. And it's really hard to escape that shit. Yeah. I could only especially, ha- especially when it happens as your brain is forming. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, you know, I thank God or the universe or whatever it is every day that I was able to change my fucking story. Yeah. Um, because well, I wouldn't be sitting everyone, here. Everyone whose life you've affected is also thankful. Well, that's nice. I, I appreciate that too. Was there an event? Was there one event? You know, I know a lot of people have it's like a, the death of a family or a near-death experience or birth of a child that, that made you change that story or you just had a gutful? I think it was just attrition. I think it was yeah. just like, oh, I can't take much more of this. I know it was the birth, the births of my children. Each one was a disruptive thing in my life where I had to look at myself more each time, more and more and more each time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't really, I don't really believe in a rock bottom yeah. uh, because I'd have to say I've had a few and you know, I, I don't know if you're allowed to have more than one, <laughs> but, um, but I know that every time, so I know to answer your question, no, not a one-off event that, that kind of, it was a culmination of, 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 of different things. Yeah. And, and, and a culmination of meeting different people in my life, receiving different therapies in my life, uh, reading different books in my life. And just going, oh, okay, I don't have to keep being that person. I don't have to keep turning those pages. You know, I don't have to keep turning those pages. I can go, fuck that book. Here's the book yep. that I'm writing every day. You know, um, One of the great things that I got out of my addiction and rehab from my addiction was the introduction to 12-step fellowship stuff. Um, and, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous or whatever Anonymous. And they, they preach very heavily that it's, you know, it's one day at a time. It's one day at a time. It's, you know, if someone will say to me, well, what's your five-year plan? And I go, I don't fucking know. I haven't got a five-day plan. You know, I, I can't plan that far ahead. I, I just can't. All I'm trying to do is get to tomorrow. And tomorrow I'll try again to get to the next day. You're the best um, that's it. I've just got to try and be a bit better tomorrow than I was today. That's great. That, that's it. You know, if I, if I try and be perfect, if I try and to be fixed or if I try and go, well, by the end of the year, I will mm. dot, dot, dot. I'm fucked. 
Like yeah. I, I can't do that. Yeah. That's when the expectation builds and when it just gets, the pressure gets too much and I just go, fuck this, I'm out. Yep. Especially with mental health, you've got to manage your yeah. stress. And the biggest stress we put on is the stress that we put on ourselves. You know, hundred yeah. percent. And I've got, I've got, you know, 18 things, which I'm, I could be addicted to tomorrow if I give it, if I let it, you know, in, if I let it in through the front door. So I have, have that extra stuff too, that I just have to be aware. You know, I just have to have self-awareness and there's no self-awareness in that old book. No, <laughs> there's no self-awareness. There's lots only of community awareness, expectation, lots of denial, lots of shame. Yeah. You know, lots of shame mm. and uh, shame, shame never helped anyone. So if there's a piece of advice you can give anyone that's going through similar stuff that you were going through, um, speak to someone else. Number one, absolutely. Speak to someone else, connect with someone else in some way. Uh, and, it, and it's funny that advice coming from me because I will do anything I can to disconnect from every fucking human on earth. If I can, like I'd be quite happy to live on an Island with my kids and if you could just all fuck off, that would be great. You know, that would be my, my perfect existence. Like Castaway. <laughs> yep. Oh, mate, I, volleyball. I watch that, that and go, man, that's ideal. Let's do that. You know, uh, no, I, um, so, but, but connection for me, connection is the opposite to addiction. There are different ends of the spectrum and they can't live together. That's they right. can't coexist for me. So I, 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 my, just my, suggestion i guess is to stay connected with someone reach out to someone and tell them what's going on mm -hmm. um be as authentic as you can even when it's hard yeah right even when it's even when you know it's going to bring up shame or when you know it's someone's going to when you think somebody's going to think something of you who cares third thing is differentiate between um, guilt and shame because guilt you can live with guilt guilt's okay you know Everyone guilt says guilt. Guilt says I did a bad thing, but shame says I am bad. Mm. One is livable with, and one is just song crushing, crippling, crippling. Yeah. Um, and just try to be better, a little bit better tomorrow than you were today. That's so good. Well, thanks for your time man. today, Nick. No worries, Jess. If anyone listeners want to get in touch with you. Uh, I'm at Nick Bowdish across all the socials or nickbowdish.com. Pretty imaginative. <laughs> Bit of marketing that. Um, but yeah, I'm happy to have a chat if anything comes up for anyone. Um, uh, if, if something does come up when you hear this, as I, as I say at the end of all these things I do, um, and you're not feeling great and you need some support and you haven't got else, anybody else in your life to give you that support, please ring Lifeline on 13 11 14. Thanks so much for your time, Nick. And we'll catch you later. No worries, mate. See ya. Thank you.